This is the BBC. This podcast is supported by advertising outside the UK. BBC Sounds. Music, radio, podcasts. Finally, we're here. Luton Airport. Half past seven in the morning. On our way to Alicante. This is Manhunt. Finding Kevin Paul. So much of the information that I've received recently and some of the really dated stuff going back to 2006 points to the Costa Blanca. So sightings over 14 years all pointing. Thank you. Americano and Latte. Thank you very much indeed. All pointing to the Costa Blanca. Too good to be true, possibly. Disinformation, just to lead us astray, make me waste my time, efforts and money, maybe, but I don't have a choice. I have to go there, I have to find out, and that's exactly what I'm doing. Episode 7, Spain. And this is the man police believe is key to the investigation. Kevin Parle, now 37 years old and believed to be living abroad. The families of Liverpool murder victims Liam Kelly and Lucy Hargreaves have been waiting more than 15 years for some kind of justice. Merseyside police have named Kevin Thomas Parle as someone they want to talk to about her death. He's thought to be in Spain or America. Despite numerous appeals, a £25,000 reward and pleas from Lucy's family, no one has been brought to justice. But police say they're still determined to find those responsible. There has been sightings previously as far away as Australia and across Europe, so if anyone has any information, I'd ask them to study the computerised images that we've uh, released today that have previously been released and let us know if you know where this person is. For the last 10 years, detectives have been trying to trace 35-year-old Kevin Parle. They've released different images of what he may look like now. He's six foot five with ginger hair. He has a scar on the left side of his head and he has blue eyes with a Liverpool accent. We'd ask people to look at these images ten years later, exercise their minds to whether they may have seen this person, particularly anyone who's going on holiday in Spain or has recently come back from, from Spain itself. Former Scotland Yard detective Peter Blexley has been hunting Kevin Paul since April of 2019. I just want to get there. I'm not a great fan of flying, not because I'm scared, just because I think aeroplanes and airports are a pain. So many places to go, so many cages to rattle. Now he's heading to the area of Spain where over the years there have been so many reported sightings of the fugitive. But are any of them true? Torrevieja is the fifth most inhabited city in the Valencian community. It is a cosmopolitan town. More than half of its 100,000 inhabitants are foreigners. With an average temperature of 18 degrees, the sea, the beach and the sun, it is powerfully attractive to citizens from colder countries. Peter, with editor Mark driving, is making the 40-minute journey from Alicante Airport to Torrevieja. 
Some of the earliest reported sightings of Kevin Paul have been made there going back to 2006. It's also where some informants on social media have been telling Peter to go. From the viewing point of El Torre del Moro, amidst the aroma of salt and the music of the habaneras, Torrevieja and its environment unfolds, revealing its thousand and one secrets. The information is concentrated around one particular place, the Misol Mobile Home Park. Established more than 40 years ago, originally as a caravan park, it has grown into a thriving and welcoming community. How long have you lived down here, Bill? Uh, 18 years. Wow, so you came here in... October 2001. What's life like down here? Absolutely fantastic. A lot of European nationalities are represented there. Some live there all year round, others come just for holidays. The centrepiece is a popular bar and restaurant, the heart of life on Misol. This is where everybody meets up. We have entertainment in the summer on the terrace, you know, and everybody knows everybody else, you know. It's just like a little, a close-knit community, you know. Very good. I love it here, me. It's just like paradise to me, this. The people here, they'll help you out in any way they can, you know. If you're in trouble, they'll help you bail you out. If you're in difficulties, you know, they're very good there. Life here is brilliant. It's a community, everybody's friendly. You get your privacy at home, but we come to the bar and we have fun and people help you with anything if they can. We have a Facebook page, Mesol Discussions. People put on there if they need anything, you know, a plumber or a, you know, any help. Yeah, it's a great place to be. Lovely. And how long have you been here? 12 months this month we've lived on here, yeah. And from day one we were made to feel welcome. We came to the bar, that's how we made friends. Got to know people, me and my husband. And the cat. And the cat. <laughs> of course, the cat. Yeah. I love it. Absolutely love it. Proper community. Really is. Good old-fashioned community. Everybody helps each other out. Something goes wrong, knock on the door, or just get shout across the road, that's it, neighbours come running. End of. Is it safe and secure here? As safe as anywhere can be. Do you know what I mean? Everybody looks out for, after, for each other, so nine times out of ten, we know something's happening. So, what, yeah. What, if there was a crime, for example? Yes, a lot of the time. And then there's gates, there's uh, cameras on the gates. But yeah, it's, it's as safe as it can be. And of course, everybody knows each other, so something goes wrong. There's always Facebook, and so everybody just gets on. We've got our own little discussion sites. A close-knit group who look out for each other. A community that sticks together. Does it sound like the kind of place a fugitive could stay and blend in? I don't think so, unless... I suppose if you never came to the bar, because it is quite big, I think there's about 350 properties, so it is a decent size. If you kept yourself to yourself in your little house, didn't come to the bar or the swimming pool, maybe, yeah, it could be possible. Torrey's renowned for it. I mean, you've only got to go out to Mesol and you, you can keep yourself to yourself, because everybody's got little their own little villas with a high wall around them. And once you, you've... You've done your shopping and done your whatever you've got to do. You come back and you live in a prison. End of. And that's what people tend to do. And that's what makes Torrey, that's what makes me so, so different because it's a community. And as soon as the houses are up for sale, that's it, they've gone. 
So if you had a villa yeah. with a big wall around it and you had somebody to do your shopping for you. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like being back in England. You don't see a bloody soul. Not a soul. You could stay you, under the radar. You could stay under the radar for a long time. In the sunshine? In the sunshine. Yeah, very much so. Definitely. 100%. This man here, yeah. in Pal, apparently was down here round about 2006. Now, he's a big, tall man. Yeah. Six foot six tall, broadly built. And I know it's some time ago, but do you remember ever seeing him here? No, I've never seen him before. Never. Somebody described him as a gentle giant. We'll get a few on here, but... No, I, I don't recognise that face. Yeah, and he's unmissable, he's six foot six. Well, you, you, he wouldn't pass in a crowd, would he? You know, right. you know what I mean? <laughs> Very true. Very true. I'm wondering, do you know anybody that might have been here in 2006? There's, there's quite a few people that's got places on here that have had them for 20, 30 years. Kevin Ball, Kevin Ball. Face doesn't ring a bell, not to me. When was this, 2006? No. That's when it was reported he was down here, yeah. Yeah, way before my, I didn't move to Spain until 2010. But I've been coming over, I've been coming over since 95. And I used to go all over. But no, don't remember, don't know him. No, so he's a baddie? Yeah, he's wanted for two separate murders. Oh, crikey. Um, the pictures of the victims are on the back. A uh, 16-year-old boy and a 22-year-old mother of three young children. Oh in 2004 and 2005. So he's been on the run for over 15 years and I'm trying to change all that. I'm yeah. trying to make him very well known. Um, and Facebook and, is the one. And squeeze him so that he pops up. Facebook is the one. It's, you, nowhere, nobody can hide on Facebook. Peter has had a great welcome and everyone he speaks to has been helpful. But he's drawing a blank on sightings of Kevin Paul. While he talks, residents are helping him by making phone calls to people who were at the camp in 2006 when Paul is believed to have been there. Within 20 minutes, he's approached by one man who agrees to speak to Peter, provided he isn't recorded. His words are spoken by an actor. Yeah, he was here. Kevin was here for a whole summer back in 2006. He was here with a few of his mates and he had a girlfriend from London. His mates were all scousers, and there could be a bit of a problem. I think the bloke who ran the bar had to ban them at one stage because they were involved in some trouble. They could definitely be violent. I liked Kevin. He was a nice bloke, but he had an edge. He had a side to him that wasn't so nice. He could be vicious. You couldn't miss him because of his height and his shaved head. Those leaflets you've been handing out, the one with the two pictures of him. The one on the right, that's how he looked. He had a wispy ginger beard, but that picture is definitely him. Can't mistake him. He used the pool a lot, hung around the bar, drank lager as far as I can remember, treated the place as if it was his home. Changing money was a bit of an issue. He'd be asking people to change a few hundred pounds at a time, English money and they'd change it into euros. There's a lot of people from Liverpool here, and on some of the other sites. He had a proper Scouse accent, but it wasn't as strong or as broad as his mates. In fact, I'd go as far as to say he was well-spoken. Big Liverpool fan, I remember that too. 
we've just spoken to somebody who was living here in Meesol at the time that Kevin was down here on the run. And this person knew him very well. There was so much detail and I tested his account. I asked him how he felt at the time, his emotions. I asked him for quotes, all those kind of things which are very difficult to give if you're not being truthful. Well, of course, it, it absolutely confirms those earlier reports that Paul was down here round about 06, post both of the murders when he was very much on the run. There was no hint of Paul is dead, for example. I know this, I heard this, there was no element of that. And I suspect that somebody who knew him as well as they did and had had such an engagement with the murder squad and the local community might have heard that. So I'm, I'm, I'm tending to think that some of this, he went out on a boat from Torre Vieja and was never seen again, is urban myth. Some of that stuff about was at the bottom of the Mersey and never made it onto a flight and those kind of things would just appear to be utterly untrue. And I'm convinced uh, beyond compare that Paul was actually here. When Peter returns to the bar, someone else has been making phone calls on his behalf. One resident tells him that they called a friend in England who was there during the summer of 2006. They said Kevin Paul was definitely at the Misol that year. The person that spoke to you said Kevin Paul spent a whole summer at the campsite. How was he never apprehended in that time? It is astonishing and, and, and hugely irritating for me to think that Kevin Powell was in and out of the swimming pool, in and out of the bar, essentially having some kind of glam holiday whilst he's on the run, and that he was down here for the entire summer. The fact that the police didn't know that, the fact that the police didn't get down to meet Sol and arrest him and put him in front of a court of law is, of course, extremely disappointing. Was that their best chance? Did they miss it? Did he slip through the net? Of course he did. At some stage, he disappeared. Kevin and his girlfriend went to a villa a few kilometres from here in Casada. I remember later that year, Merseyside police sent people down here and interviewed people. Took statements and all that stuff, but they were too late. Kevin had flown the nest. We'll set sail again. We're heading for the Spanish main. My name is uh, Juan Manuel Gomez. I am uh, Information Office of Tourist Board here in Torrevieja. Torrevieja was initially like a little village of about 15,000 people. And uh, due to the tourism and the development that we've been talking about, this has been growing and growing and growing all over the years. Here we have been always very welcome, very generous on that side, receiving people from different, different countries, and this is part of the character of the people here. Good people, good sun, good prices, you're welcome. <laughs> it's, not, it's a nice place to be, in all honesty, it really is a nice place to be. There's places I wouldn't go. I don't like some of the places where there's loads of graffiti on the wall and it looks really run down and really scary. So there's a lot of places I wouldn't go. The seafront is, is beautiful. A couple of streets back is a bit debatable. I think that needs a bit of a tidy up. But on the whole, it's a great place to be. 
initially and strongly on the 80s mainly, a lot of Brits were starting to come over here. And uh, we had, so far, in 1991, we did a selection of people and at that time we were more than 100,000 people living in Torrevieja and more than 127 different nationalities, which is a real melting pot. This is the story of Torrevieja, people coming from all over the world to live in this town, which is a nice town with a very nice climate, with a very warm winter, as you can appreciate, and which has been the second house for many, many retired people, for many people wanting to finish their days in, in a pleasant side, in a pleasant weather. A lot of people, a lot of Brits, great weather and a welcoming environment. Could a fugitive as distinctive as Kevin Paul blend in and live in Torrevieja cheaply and under the radar? Yes, hello, my name is Dario Bangles. I'm a sales agent in Torrevieja. How much would a two, maybe three-bedroom villa in Torrevieja cost me? In Torrevieja area? Well, it depends on distance to the sea, distance to like shopping centres and everything. A two-bedroom, I would say a pr- the medium price would be around 200,000 euros, okay? Second-hand, nothing new. If we would go for, like, new build, I think we would be closer to the 280, you know? You have some cheaper ones, you have some more expensive ones, but that's medium price. If I wanted a quiet two-bedroom villa or bungalow... Yes. ...with a high wall away from the coast, nice and quiet... How much is that going to cost? You can find that for 160 approximately, even cheaper, yes. It's possible, yeah. Okay. Are there a lot of English people or British people that buy out here? Yes, quite a lot. It has been a bit quieter last month, I think also because of the political reasons of England. But there's still movement from, from the British side, yes, sure. Is it a safe town? Yes, I would say yes. Yeah, always something happening, but not, I would not say a criminal town, no, by any means. Does organised crime have a presence in Torovia? No. Is it a safe city? It is a safe city. The weather is always nice. We have people from all around the world, so you get a bit, it's a bit cultural, let's say. And I mean, if so many people from outside come here, it's because of a reason. It's a nice place. Peter is now convinced that Kevin Paul made it to Spain, but those sightings were as long ago as 2006. He follows up inquiries about the girlfriend Paul was seen with at Misol. But Peter also gets a tip-off that the fugitive might have been in Spain a lot more recently. Not in Torrevieja, but about an hour's drive along the coast, in Benidorm. My name is Karen Maynan Cowles. I've lived here for 30 years in Spain. I'm the president of Benidorm's British Business Association and um, I'm very involved in, in what goes on in the community here in Benidorm. How easy is it for a fugitive to kind of hide in plain sight down here? Very easy, extremely easy. Online, on FM, and on your mobile. Playing Benidorm's freshest music mix. This, this is Fresh Radio. You've got a mixture of people from Newcastle, Leeds, Birmingham, Manchester. Now, if all these people was to be in a town in the UK, 
it'd be a time bomb waiting to go off. But here, they come here, certain elements sit down, enjoy what they've got. They've got cheap food, they've got cheap drink, they let themselves go for a few days. And, you know, to me, that's brilliant. But it's like any other holiday destination in the world, you'll always get an accident. Always. But unfortunately, these other places don't get as much publicity as Benidorm. A lot goes on in Benidorm that we don't know about. But I would say a lot of people come here and they keep coming back. I've not heard of many people that have said, I went to Benidorm, I'd never go back. So it's got something here. And now, after another You've got, what, 2,000 bars all competing on the same thing. When you go on holiday to somewhere like Spain, you have to try out their, their, their culture, their food. Here, it's completely different. Where's the best bacon sandwich? Where's the best English breakfast? Where's the best mashed potato? Do you not believe in Spain, by the way? You know, but this is what happens. It's just, it's crazy. Benidorm made slightly a rod for its own back uh, many years ago. During the recession, families stopped coming. Benidorm had an excellent reputation. And during the session, what happened was the tour operators decided to, they needed to fill beds. So they sold short-term holidays at very cheap rates. So what they did was they attracted a different tourism type. They attracted a very low-cost tourism. So that, of course, had its consequences and has had its consequences upon Benidorm. So then, I'm going to leave you with Tones and I, and I reckon this song is going to be the song of the summer here on Benidorm. Here we go. You have attracted, perhaps, a tourism type with no disrespect to anybody that comes here, but we do see a lot of delinquency from the tourists themselves. Next time, ghost stories. Has serious and organised crime got a foothold in the Costa Blanca? I think so, yes. Yes, I think we'd be silly to deny that. Yes, I think in a, I think that's spread everywhere, hasn't it? Everywhere. I, at first hand, haven't seen it with my own eyes, but you're aware of it. I was getting extremely excited at one point, especially when they said he's Kevin, he's tall, they haven't seen him in a year, he used to frequent there. Then I showed them the pictures and my heart sunk when they said, no, 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 this Kevin's 75. So is there an English six foot six, 75-year-old Kevin on the Costa Blanca who's getting mistaken for Kevin Park? Funny thing, well, I suppose you could say it was funny, was that a few years later we were on holiday on the other side of the world, practically, one day I was getting a drink and I saw this man walk past. Said to me, friend, look who's here. It was him, Kevin. By now I knew what he was wanted for, so I kept my head down. I have just handed a flyer to a person who literally stopped in their tracks, stared at the pictures of Kevin Powell with utter shock and disbelief written all over their face. This person then stared at me, stared back at the images, and said, I've seen him. Produced by Lewis Borge Cardona, Manhunt, Finding Kevin Paul, is written and edited by Mark Sandell. Narrated by Sinetra Sarka, the series is a six-foot-six and five-live production for BBC Sounds.
I'm Jacob Hawley and I'm very excited to say that there are more episodes of Jacob Hawley on drugs. I'm going to be taking a look at every corner of the UK drug scene and meeting people involved on both sides of the conversation and both sides of the law. This time, we're going to be looking at a whole new set of issues and topics, including homelessness. When you don't have a supportive family, sometimes community can come in the form of a drug dealer. Prescription drug abuse. Doctors were just handing out pills like candy. Drug use in prisons. If we were to write everyone off, how can we hope to make the community safer? Jacob Hawley on drugs. Listen on BBC Sounds.